Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Verse 10, he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Just to give you a heads up, we're going to be reading about a lot of stones and precious gems today, and they're all different colors. And often the Bible talks about heaven in terms of colors. Revelation chapter 4 and various other places. Whenever people saw heaven and they saw God, there was rainbow colors all around and and translucent colors and firmaments underneath and above. And there's all these different colors. And we're going to see the city of God is full of precious, colorful stones. And they have a meaning. They have um, a significance. So... Jasper is the first one he mentions. He says the first impression was of Jasper, which is a reddish-orange, translucent, shiny stone. She had a great high wall with 12 gates. Are you getting the picture? Are you imagining the city? It's coming down out of heaven. Big high wall and 12 gates in the walls. And 12 angels at the gates, and names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Whenever it mentions 12, it's talking about completeness, the whole group. And 12 gates and 12 angels and 12 tribes means all nations, tribes and tongues, all types of people are supposed to come into the city. I praise God that I'm in a church with people from, I think it's 21 different countries because it makes my church richer and more beautiful. And that's what heaven is gonna be like, amen? Amen. So then he goes on. Three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. God is looking. He doesn't just put one gate. He says, if you come from a different tribe or a different way of life or a different society or a different way of thinking, I'm gonna put all these gates so that nobody can be left out. Isn't it beautiful? Every type of person comes in. Verse 14, now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. What's that talking about? The foundations are essential. And I want to spend a bit of time today talking about these foundations. 12 foundations means completeness. The apostles, the names of the apostles means it's talking about the foundation which is the revelation of God's word that the apostles have given us. And when it talks about 12 and all the different colors that we're going to see, it's talking about all the variety that we see in the Bible. We need it all to be the foundation of our lives, of our families, and of our churches. The foundation is essential. The house next door to mine was recently knocked down and they're going to build a new house. And I've been watching to see how they do it and they spend a lot of time putting foundations in. I was watching a TV show recently about building of houses and the man was saying the foundations are where we put all our effort. If we get the foundations strong enough and in the right shape and pattern, then the house goes up easily. And he said, once we've done the foundations, from then on we just consider it a piece of cake. The foundations are what's important. Friend, what are your foundations in life? What are you building your life on? And we're going to look at this a little bit later. 
But I want to tell you, God has a plan for your foundations of your life, and He is actively involved today in helping you build on the right foundation. And he, verse 15, who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. He measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The size of the city. He says he's using the measure of man. In other words, we can know how big the city is. He said it was 12,000 furlongs wide and long and high. It's like a cube. How long is 12,000 furlongs? It's 1,500 miles. The city is so huge, it's bigger than the country of India. And it's as high as it is wide, which means it goes right up out of the atmosphere of the earth. 1,500 miles high is extraordinarily big. It is enormous, this city. And it's beautiful. It's shining. It's pure. It's precious. It's desirable. I wonder if you desire heaven. I wonder if you've even thought... You know, sometimes we think I've got to invest for my retirement. I've got to put aside money for a rainy day, for an in-case fund. Have you thought about building for eternity? Because retirement is a drop in the ocean of eternity. Eternity is what we should be thinking about. And I'm going to show you how to do that today. Then he goes on to describe the wall and the foundations. And the wall and the foundations are linked you're going to see that the, the wall and the foundations are not two separate things. The, the wall grows up out of the foundations. Verse 18. The construction of its wall was of jasper, reddish-orange color, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. Precious, pure, clear. There's just these themes that run through this picture. Something beautiful something attractive, but also pure and valuable. That's what's worth building our lives around. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, reddish orange. The second, sapphire, blue. The third, chalcedony, white. The fourth, emerald, green. The fifth, sardonyx, brown. The sixth, sardius, red. The seventh, chrysolite, yellow. The eighth, beryl, blue. The ninth, topaz, orange. The tenth, chrysoprase, green. The eleventh, jacinth, red. The twelfth, amethyst, purple. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, and there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, but there shall be by no means 
enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who, who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then he goes on to describe the river of life flowing down the center of the street of the city, out of the throne of God, this river of life with trees of healing and food growing up on either side and the glory of God shining in the city. It's a picture of oneness with God. I'm close to God. I'm face to face with Him. I'm serving Him. I'm busy working in heaven, but I'm loving God and I'm filled with all the glory that's all around me. So, my first point, I'm going to talk about the foundation, the wall, and the gates. But before I get to that, I just want to say that we need to be building for heaven. I have a strong conviction within me that church should be as much like heaven as possible. Do you remember Jesus said we should be praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when Jesus came to earth, his message was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he healed and he raised the dead and he provided and he spoke truth. He was bringing heaven to earth. But I feel sad when I see Christians whose lives are not at all like heaven. When I see Christian families who are not like heaven. And when I see churches that are not like heaven. You know, the three things about heaven that stand out to me when I read the whole book of Revelation. Number one, it's multiracial. Every nation, language, tribe, and tongue, every type of person is there. A church should have every type of person and be open to every type of person. Number two, there's praise and worship and rejoicing and it's loud. It says they shouted with a loud voice. They threw their crowns before the throne. They fell on their faces. They sang a new song. There is loudness and joy in the presence of God. Amen? And the third thing about heaven is that God is the ruler. He's the king. He's the center. It's about him and his will. He rules and reigns. It's not about petty human rules. We don't have a little uh, debate and, and, and vote to say, what do we all want to do in heaven? No, he's the king and he's sitting on the throne. Friends, I desire and I long for and I'm happy to be in a church where there's so many different types of people, where we worship God freely and where we are centered on God's plan and God's agenda. Did you see the Nations Day video? We had a service a few months ago, the Nations Day. We had everybody in their different um, national dress. We had songs in different languages. We read about God's desire to reach the nations and we worshiped God with all of our hearts. And I think you feel the same as me. Heaven was there. It was extraordinary. Even watching it again on video, I cannot stop but cry. I, I just cry my eyes out because heaven was there because it was like we were in heaven. And as much as we can, church should be like heaven. Our lives should be like heaven. Do you think it's logical to say, I'm going to live a certain way and expect to be in heaven, but then my, the way that I'm living and everything about my life and the foundations of my life are nothing like heaven? Is it logical to think that I'm going to end up there? As much as my life is like heaven, I will be in heaven. And as much as my life is like heaven, the joy, the peace, the healing, the life of heaven floods into me.
in John chapter 7, Jesus cried out. He said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from his heart. Jesus was saying heaven can be in your personal heart today. Philippians 3 says our citizenship is in heaven. When we start to understand heaven is not just for another day and another time, but it's for today, we start to see the life of God flooding into us. So I'm going to talk about the foundations, and then I'm going to talk about the walls and the gates. Did you know that you and I build our lives on a foundation? The foundations of heaven are 12, they are different colors, and they have the 12 apostles' name on them, and they are prominent. When he looked at heaven coming down, the city coming down from the sky, the foundations were very obvious and prominent to him. Your life is built on some foundations. You might say to me, I don't think it is. I don't know what they are. And Jesus spoke to this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, whoever hears my words and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on a rock, which means a strong foundation. Then he talked about a whole another group of people. He said they hear his words, but they don't put them into practice. In other words, they're on some other foundation. And he didn't say they don't have a house. He said they have a house, but it's on sand. Some are built on rock, some are built on sand, but everybody has a house. Everyone, you and I, are building our lives on something. Now my question and my challenge to myself and to us is, are we building on God's words? Jesus said the way you can tell which foundation you built on is when the floods and the winds and the storms come, when you have problems, when you have people coming against you, when there's sickness, when there's terrible persecution, when something goes wrong, your world is shaken, and if you're building on God's words, your house stays firm. Now there's a double-edged sword here. We can see problems and storms as a terrible thing, or we can say, actually, they are showing me what my foundations are built on. My dad, unfortunately, was not a believer, and he committed suicide Near, near the age of 50 because he built a life on a foundation that the world said was the right foundation. Get lots of money. Go with conventional wisdom. Have as much pleasure as you can. Do things the way that everybody else does. And when the storms of life came, his world was shaken and he had nowhere else to go. His, his foundations were shown to be weak and movable. And he didn't know what to do. I wasn't old enough. I wish I could have told him, find Jesus. There is a true foundation. But nobody told him and he took his life. I, I speak to my children and as many times as I can, I speak to young people and say, one of the most important things is to say, I'm not going to think what everybody around me thinks. You know, there's a tide of thinking in the world. The, the world has conventional wisdom, and it says, think like this, act like this, this is true, this is the foundation you must build your life on. And Jesus said, the way to life is narrow, and few find it. The way to destruction is very broad, and many are on it. We've got to say, I'm going to think differently to what the world says, and the foundation I'm going to use is God's Word. All of God's Word. I'm going to take God's Word as being true. 
And if we can do that for our families, for ourselves, for our church, instead of saying, I'm, not, I'm just going to think about what everyone thinks is true, I'm going to take what God says is true. We will be building a city of God. And it can never be shaken. In 1 Corinthians 3, he says, we're all building on a foundation, but some are building with gold, silver, and precious stones, which means the city of God, and others are building with wood, hay, and straw, which is what the world says is valuable. And the end, the fire of judgment comes, and it'll test what we've built, and we'll know whether we were building the city of God or not. But we can choose now. When a storm, when a hurricane comes and shakes our house, we can say, thank you, God, you're showing me, have I built on your foundation? Please can I ask you, seriously, my, my brothers and sisters, my friends, think about this. Am I building on God's word? What do I take as my final authority of what is true? Is it what I think is true, what I feel is true, what my family says is true, what the world says is true, what scientists say is true, or do I take God's word as being true? Because that is the foundation we're building on. Secondly, the walls. The walls come out of the foundation. They're, they're jasper. The top foundation is jasper, and the walls are jasper. It's, it's an extension of the foundation is a wall. And a wall simply means I put a wall around my life and I say there are boundaries in my life. There are things that I consider right, and there are things I consider wrong. I don't stand for nothing. I don't fall for anything. I actually stand for something, and it comes out of God's word and God's truth. It's not just willpower or arbitrary decisions. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be a, this type of person, or I'm going to stand for this. Or, no, we say, God, what are your values? And we put walls around our lives, not in a judgmental, proud way, but in a way saying, this is what I stand for. I'm not better than you. I don't, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I have walls in my life. There's a beautiful scripture in Proverbs 25 and verse 28. It says, a person who does not rule his spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And basically what it's saying is this. If you don't decide beforehand what is right and what is wrong, what are your values? What do you stand for? If you don't decide, then others will decide for you. And there is an enemy. Walls protect you from an enemy. There is an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you haven't decided what your values and who you stand for and whose you are, then the enemy will come in and he will just wreck your life. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. The world is tolerant. Tolerance is seen as the main thing. However, interestingly, they're tolerant of everything except Christian values. It's quite extraordinary. They say, we'll tolerate any idea, any thought pattern, but we won't tolerate Christian values. It's, it's really quite interesting. But we need to be people who say, I stand for something, and it's the walls of God's life, not proudly, not arrogantly, humbly, but saying, I do have values. And when you do that, the city of God can grow. The book of Nehemiah, which we may look at later on in this series, is about a man called Nehemiah who went to visit Jerusalem and the walls were broken down and the city was in ruins and his heart was moved and he cried and he fasted and he wept because God wanted the city built up again. And I feel that when I see people, especially young people, who haven't got values in their lives, the devil comes in and just wrecks them. 
Can I just ask you, young person, before the temptation comes, think about it. Say, what am I prepared to do and what am I not prepared to do? Am I prepared to drink that? Am I prepared to smoke that? Am I prepared to agree to that? Am I prepared to go with that lifestyle of sexual morality? Am I prepared to read that material and accept it? Am I prepared to be in that environment? What am I prepared to do? And even older people in business, what are your lines that you're not prepared to cross? Decide beforehand, build a wall, and then your city will be strong. But if you wait till the temptation to decide, it's too hard. Thirdly, gates. Christians sometimes build walls, but we don't leave gates. We don't allow anyone else in. And there were 12 gates. And each of them was a pearl. Okay, I need to hurry. I'm out of time here. The pearls. Matthew 13, I believe it is. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a man who found a pearl of great price. And he was willing to sell everything to buy it. Again, the word of God is multi-layered. It's speaking about us being willing to give up everything for Christ. Those who come into the kingdom of God must be willing to say, I give up everything for Christ. But it also speaks of God being willing to give up everything. Jesus to die to buy you. You are the pearl of great price for him. And they're both true. And the gate is the gate we must always keep open that says everyone is welcome, but for them to be truly part of the kingdom of God, they have to be willing to die to themselves and give up everything. Can I just say that we as a church have this policy? You can debate it and tell me whether you agree with it or not, but we say everyone is welcome in these meetings. In fact, in all meetings. You can believe what you like, you can serve any God you like, you can swear and sin and live like the devil, and you are welcome in these meetings. Now, you may disagree with me, I, I, I don't know. You can come and tell me afterwards, but we welcome everyone with open arms. Do you remember it says Jesus ate with the sinners and the tax collectors. He was called a friend of drunkards and gluttons. He loved to spend time with everybody, but, but they weren't his 12 disciples. He spent time with them. It's like a ship in the sea. Jesus spent his time like a ship in the sea of the world all the time, but the sea never got into his ship. Because if the sea gets into the ship, the ship is sunk. We need to be open to all, but we need to be clear that you're not part of God's city and God's kingdom just because you're coming to these meetings. It comes from passing through the gate of the pearl of great price and saying, I'm willing to die to myself and I'm willing to accept Jesus dying for me. And so we have all sorts of people in our church and we love it. If you're here and you don't follow Christ yet, I'm so happy you're here and I love you being here. But I need to be clear, just because you sat in one of our meetings does not mean you're going to heaven. It's only by passing through that gate. Let's pray together. I pray, Lord, for all of us that by the end of this sermon series, our lives and our families and our church would be like the city of God. And all the joy and the peace and the freedom and the celebration and the life and the healing that's there in heaven would be here on earth. 
Lord, you said we should pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray that today. We pray your kingdom come, heaven come to my life, Lord. To my family, to my finances, to my habits, to my pursuits, my career, every part of me and to my church, Lord God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.